This is the Pathways to Greatness podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Forrester. Okay, in this episode, I had the privilege of speaking with Coach Kurt Hines, who, if you followed me for a long time on Instagram, I used to do Instagram Lives, and I was connected to Coach Hines through my buddy Brad Lord, who was on an earlier episode here of my podcast, and Coach Hines has not disappointed with the message that he puts out, and it was a fantastic Instagram Live, so if you go back, scroll through You'll see it way back, um, probably in 2021, might have even been 2020, I can't remember. But anyways, great message. And today, Coach Hines did not disappoint yet again. And you know, some of the things that he shared that, that I want you guys to pay attention to is the importance of embracing failure. And he talked about that as his definition of greatness. And he also talked about the three things that he would go back and give himself advice as a brand new head football coach. And it's things that will apply to everyone's lives. So the first one is all about the people, empower them. Two, be yourself. And three, you don't have to know it and you shouldn't know it all and you shouldn't try to. And so there were so many more things within this this episode that I know that you'll gain some value and you can apply it to your daily lives today. So without further ado, Coach Hines. Many of you that follow me on social media have probably seen me say something about Highlight Coaching and Consulting. So what is that? So what we do at Highlight is we focus on teaching teens and young adults, and that's 18 to 35, valuable life skills that we wish we would have known. You know, I often ask the question, you've heard me ask it on some of these episodes of, if you could go back in time to high school and give yourself three pieces of advice, what would it be? It was actually an episode that I had not that long ago. Well, these pieces of advice is what motivated and inspired Jessica to create the ETA program to be able to pour back into teens and young adults because if we can equip them now in things that will help them make better decisions, not only through their high school years, their college years, but these are things that are going to stay with them forever. So. If you're a parent listening to this and you have a teen or young adult, or if you happen to be a teen or young adult and you're listening to this as well, is the investment that you make today will pay massive dividends in the future. So these courses aren't free. Um, These programs aren't free, but they're very, very worth it, if you ask me, because it's something that I know that I've just had to figure out. And so if I can help shorten the learning curve from... 35 to 40 years down to just a few years, how can you put a value on that? Anyways, check it out. There's a link in the bio, not the bio, in the show notes um, for highlightcoaching.com. I encourage you to go there, check it out, reach out with questions, and let's have a conversation. Thanks. Here's the episode. So one of the things that that I was going to tell you, and I waited to hit record till I told you, is I noticed that my son's following you now. Oh, really? <laughs> I saw one of your posts and he had liked it because I think because I'd share stuff. He's like, Dad, you share too much stuff because we finally took the plunge and put him on Instagram, but we told him it's just for 
like football and recruiting purposes. So he's um, a rising 10th grader. Okay. Um, so he's playing offensive line. So I know that that hits home for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's fantastic. That's great. Yeah, so what, what, uh, so he's going, he's going to be a, a sophomore, you said. Correct. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah so and, he's, and, he's excited about this year. I, um, if, you, if there's ever anything, anything I can do for him, let me know. I'm excited. My son, uh, back when I was the head coach in New Hampshire, prior to moving out to San Diego, I had to coach against my own son twice, oh. uh, his junior and senior year. So he actually is uh, now a, a paid member of our coaching staff. He coached on our staff last year as a full-time volunteer. It's a tremendous blessing. And uh, he's now with us full-time. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, cool. Well, one of the yeah. things that happened this past year is – like he found, he fell in love with football through flag football and kind of made, we weren't going to push him in any direction of where we wanted to go. And so the league that he, we played through with flag football, 12U, 14U, they have the flag football program. And so he's like, dad, can we coach a team together? Wow. And um, I was like, yeah, but just so you know, is I'm just going to be the chaperone. This is your show. And so he and a buddy did it and they did such a good job that as of late, and he's got a really good um, high school coach as well. And um, he's like, I think I want to go into coaching. I love it. That's <laughs> so I was like, dude, that's the, one of the most noblest professions that you could ever have. So I was like, I'm not going to um, deter you from doing that and whatsoever. And I, and I, he'll be a good one. He'll be a good yeah. one. Cause he's got a good heart. Amen. Right. Isn't that what's I, I, I hesitate to say that's what it's all about, but that's what 99.9% of it's about. Yep. And he doesn't need glory because I know you guys don't get glory and thanks. So it's just a, it's a thankless job on the outside, but I know yeah. you get plenty of appreciation from the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, coach, thank you for hopping on. So um, for those of you who are um, listening to this podcast, I met uh, coach Hines through um, another friend of mine who I've had on here, Brad Lord, he's like, you've got to follow this guy, Coach Hines. He's awesome. So I followed you, really liked your message. And when I was doing the Instagram lives, we connected and we were, um, I was honored to have you on there and we we had a great conversation. And so when I started this podcast, you were on the list, like of the first people that I wanted to get on, but I knew you had a lot of stuff going on. Um, this past year, school year, and then summer and all that good stuff. So I'm happy that this worked out. So um, I'd love for you to, I'll give you a brief introduction to the to the audience. And I'd love for you just to kind of give them what you're doing now. And you, you can give them more of your backstory if you'd like, but more of just giving them context of who you are and what you're doing now. So this is Coach Kurt Hines. He is a Christian husband, father, grandfather which is amazing and then the head football coach at coronado high school in san diego and if you're not following him on instagram you and tiktok i know you're everywhere i think um, but we'll have all the information in the show notes and i'll get him to throw some stuff out there at the end but i gotta say it up front is you have to follow him right off the bat so that way even if you have to pause and go find him go do it so coach hines give us a little bit of background of, of who you are Jeff, well, thank you for having me on it. It's a blessing to reconnect. Um, you know, I, I often say, you know, what I'm about to say, but I mean it more and more. And the more I say it, the more it really hits home. I am an expert in absolutely nothing. 
but passionate about most things. And, and, and I, say, I say that proudly because I, as you mentioned, uh, maybe from my bio, I am a Christian husband, father, grandfather, first and foremost. I also teach elementary school and coach high school football. Um, the thing I love most about coaching is it's all, in my opinion, uh, once again, this is coming from someone who's not an expert, but it's all about servant leadership. You know, if, if, if you have men and or women who are called and feel called, not, not just feel uh, inspired to a great thing, but called to live a life of service and just with the sole intent of getting up every day, going out, trying to be a blessing to others, then co coaching, there's no, there's no greater profession in my opinion. Um, I've been coaching high school football going on to my 26th season now. Uh, my first 18 or 19 were on the, the East Coast in New Hampshire. My wife and I have four children. We have three daughters and one son. And as you mentioned, two grandsons. When our oldest came out to San Diego State, uh, we had come to visit. But my wife and I did not want to move to crazy California. You know, there's, the weather's phenomenal. The, the people, the ones we've connected with are phenomenal. The politics are just just uh, a whole nother whole nother episode, if you will, that uh, yeah. we, we could talk about some other time. Um, but as soon as my daughter had gotten married and gotten pregnant, we sold everything and moved across country. A huge leap of faith. You know, I, I I had a job teaching and coaching. My wife did not have a job yet, and we are a two income family. Um, we hadn't sold our house yet, so we signed over power of attorney to our realtor. Took a huge leap of faith with that. Um, yeah, as my wife <laughs> that's, said, that's a lot of faith and trust in that realtor. It, it, it absolutely is. Yeah, um, and we we had said, you know, we were not we weren't one of those families, nor are we that could afford a month of rent and a month of mortgage. And, you know, my wife and I through a lot of discussion, a lot of prayer said, listen, we can live the rest of our lives in New Hampshire. And we were blessed. We lived great lives back there. We had great family and friends, um, but we didn't want to be Skype grandparents. Um, so we said, we, we can just stay here and just live on, in a land of what if, or we can trust God and, just take that huge leap of faith and, and know that he will provide for us as long as we do our part. It was uh, the third day in our drive across country that our realtor called and said we sold the house. Uh, both of us started crying tears of joy. And uh, yeah, I've been out here for eight years now. Absolutely love everything about it. Our four children are all out here now. Our two grandsons are two and a half miles down the road. Um, and coaching for me, as I said, it's something that uh, I didn't always know I wanted to do until I was in college. Um, but it's something that I, I will continue doing till God takes me home. It's, it's, a, it's a passion of mine that uh, I love teaching and I'm blessed to teach and, and teach with and teach people I love. Uh, but truth be told, if money were not an issue at all and I could just not work at all, I'm going to keep coaching till the day I die. That's awesome. So it's funny that you use that as an example. So, you know, before we started recording, I was telling you where the path that I'm on right now and I love listening to kids because they just ask wonderful questions out of pure curiosity and it's not jaded yet. And so just this past year when Powerball, it was either Powerball or Mega Millions, one of them was a billion dollars. And so of course we play. And um, so I always loved having those conversations, uh, you know, within the family of like what's going to happen. And so my son, and we've had these situations before He's like, dad, if you want to bill, if you, if we won the billion dollars, would you keep coaching? 
And without a hesitation, I was like, 100%, I doubled down on it. And I probably wouldn't charge anybody because I got a billion dollars. I don't need to make any money. And then his reflection was, you know, dad, that's the first time you ever answered that question. I love that. He's like, normally, you always say I'd quit so fast it'd make their head spin. Because it was true. I would have quit my previous job, I mean, immediately. And I even would joke, I was like, and I'm taking my cell phone and I'm throwing it into the ocean. (laughs) And I'm done. And it's that clarity and you can see it in your eyes and, and um, that it, you really mean that. And that's the thing I want to challenge people with is, again, you have to work, you have to make money. We've all got bills. You've got to support yourself. But where is that fulfillment? Where is that, that desire that gets you to go every day? Yeah, you know, so well said. That, and I love that exchange you shared with your son. You know, someone had asked me several, several months back on a, on a different podcast, they uh, they were being very complimentary, but they were saying, coach, you're always pouring into other people, as, as I believe most coaches or the coaches that do it the right way uh, should and do. And they asked, they said, you know, what fills your cup? And I had never prior to that been, been asked that question before. So it, it really, I loved it, but it really made me pause for a moment. And coaching is what fills my cup. Mm. It, it, well, and, and I hesitate because I'm, I'm married to my best friend. My wife and I have been married for 29 years. I love, love spending time with her. That fills my cup. Being with my children, grandchildren fills my cup as well. When it comes to, when it comes to what most people look at as a career or a profession or a job, coaching fills my cup because, yeah, the, the wins are great. The losses come and go, as do the wins. Um, but when you can look a young man or a young woman in the eye and help them get from point A to point B, whether it's with a certain technique on the field, a certain lift in the weight room, or even more importantly, navigating through challenges in life, that that's that's what gets me up and out of bed in the morning and that that's mm-hmm. what lights my fire i absolutely love it yeah that's awesome well before we get too deep i like to start these podcasts with something fun so you ready absolutely all right would you rather freeze time or go back in time gosh oh i see, see I, I i have to go back in time just because i lost my father a year ago yep and uh, I was blessed to, to have had a great relationship with him. He lived for 81 years. Uh, I know my last words were him, with, with him where I love you. And he'd come out for one of our children's weddings. Um, it's uh, both are tough because I know we can never do, you know, we can't do either of those. But in, in a right. hypothetical world, yeah, if I could go back and just sit with him one more time, I, I'd be a little bit more, not a little bit, I'd be a heck of a lot more uh, aware of, putting my phone down, turning the darn thing off, you know, and, and yep. just being present in that moment with him. So yeah. no, no regrets, but man, yeah, if I could go back and, and just be with him again, it'd be pretty special. Yeah. Powerful. I lost my dad in 1991 when I was 18. Oh, wow. And so all of your posts re- very much resonate with me in the sense of, you know, just that powerful relationship that you have between a father and a son. So yeah. I get it. I hear you. Yeah. Okay. okay. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. So, so I'll, I'll add this real fast. Also, I think for most of us, our, our parents are complete idiots when we're teenagers. You know, you've seen different things written on it. It's on my own. And we get into our twenties. We're like, all right, they're not that dumb. Come 30, we start having children of our own. We're like, well, my parents are pretty smart. And you get to, you know, my age, I'm 51. I'm like, my, my dad was uh, not a genius, but my, my dad was a real smart man with a, with a tough heart and a, and, and a, a kind servant's heart. I look back at how he raised me and the hell I put my parents through growing up, the things I did and and getting arrested at different times. Um, 
he taught me more about servant leadership than I ever knew while he was alive. And it was through the grace of kind of mourning and, and reflecting on my mm. life with him and his service to family, friends, neighbors, strangers, that really I take a lot more pride in now of, of being a servant leader and having that be part of my identity. Mm -hmm. Have you ever written down the things that he taught you? I have. Yeah. It, it, it's, uh, it's humbling, you know, it's humbling because so often the things he taught me, you know, were, were just nothing but annoyances as a teenager, <laughs> you know, and now I look back with with a lot more uh, respect and admiration and, and love for those things. That's cool. Well, I'm glad that you wrote it down. Cause, and if you haven't, you haven't written a book yet, have you? I, I, I have. And my, my daughter, uh, my daughter, Hallie, we have three daughters and one son. My oldest daughter, Hallie is my manager. She sets up my speaking engagements and all that. Okay. Stuff. Um, so she's going to be, uh, hopefully on the phone sometime today or, or earlier this week with, uh, the, the publisher we decided to go with. Uh, okay. I didn't think you had one out yet. And that's why I was out. like, wait a minute. I'm like, how do I not know? <laughs> not, nothing out yet. Well, I will get one for sure. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, cause I think every, I, I, had the privilege and took the task on of writing a book and had and published self-published it in 2020. And, and it's, it's important for people. And hopefully you feel the same way as everybody's got a book in them. And to me, it's our legacy, just like you wrote yeah. down the things that your father had is that, you know, so many of us, if you think we're forgotten two generations later, yeah. Like your grandkids will remember you, but how much will your grandkids, kids, and then their kids remember all the valuable lessons that granddaddy, you know, Heinz taught us. You, you know, it's funny, Jeff. It's, I, you know, and you know this because we were connected on social media, Twitter and Instagram and, and any of your listeners. I, I wish I had more videos of my parents. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I wish. And so, so I do all these videos now that are on my heart or whatever. And it's more or less, you know, it's on the football world or my faith or whatever it is, family. I, it already brings me joy to think when, it, when it's God's time to, for me to go home, my children, and as you mentioned, grandchildren will have probably more than they want, but countless videos of me. Um, but to go back on it, and man, if I, if I could have videos of my dad and I have, I have a handful, two or three, but if I could have more videos of just his voice and hearing him speak and telling stories. You're absolutely right. It, it leaves a legacy um, that is uh, fleeting at some point, but it's important for those that that know and love us. Yeah. And then the impact that it makes on other people. I mean, I just crossed 500 copies sold this year. So wow. three years later, 500 copies. And in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't sound like a lot. You compared, if you come, if again, comparisons to the thief of joy, if you compare exactly. yourself with all these other big names, but I'm just Jeff from Orlando that people have at least 500 people have decided to invest their money 400, maybe my mom, I'm not hundred percent sure. <laughs> um, but it's, it's powerful to think that starting out, just writing something to, to give back to my kids and have something for them to see me go through the process and write it to now all of a sudden other people are reading it. It's, it's very humbling. Yeah. And the beauty of, of the written word is, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, who knows long after you're gone, who knows what copy is going to be sitting on someone's, some great grandparents bookshelf somewhere that someone's going to pick up and just say, what's this? And it could be something you said in that one paragraph somewhere that changes their lives or just makes them think a little bit differently. That's right. They're yeah. going to, they're going to, it's just going to keep going on and on. Okay. Yeah. Let me, we, we can keep going. Okay. <laughs> so would you rather 
coach offense or defense? Offense. Oh, that was quick. Okay. Why so? Offense. I, I, I think that's a comfort level for me. Um, I also have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. I share with our players and coaches all the time. Every so often you'll hear players say, well, I like defense better. I like to hit people. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, you don't understand the game of football. I'm like, you can just be, when I talk about nasty and violent, I mean, within the confines of the game, but man, if you play the game, right, you can be nasty as a placeholder more. You know I mean? There's not a position on the field where you can't be nasty. So all, offense for me, I, I like the game planning. I like the chess match, all that. No, that's all. Awesome. So my son, he had all, I mean, he's a big boy, but right now they've got him working at, um, I think he's, he flips between right and left guard. So okay. he's getting the blessings of the opportunity to pull, which he didn't oh, get yeah. to pull as a tackle. So right. he, he's finding out that violence pretty quick. That's fantastic. Yeah. He loves it. Okay. Would you rather live without music or TV? I would rather live without TV. I, I, and I, and I watch too much TV, truth be told. Um, I'll give a plug here. I get nothing for, but the greatest show of all time, in my opinion, is The Office. It would have been, <laughs> it couldn't be shown today. You know, it'd be canceled, you know, episode one. Um, I, I'm passionate about music. For someone myself who has zero musical ability to sing or to hold a note, I love music. Absolutely love it. What do you like to listen to? It, it's a mood thing, but worship music uh, is huge for me. Country music and uh, old school, you know, ACDC, you know, I lo love in the, in the weight room. It's a different beast. You know, yeah, I, mean, I was going to ask you that. What's specific in the weight room? Do you have a playlist? I, I do. I have, a, I have a weight room playlist. Uh, I have a pregame playlist. Uh, it's yeah, I, I like it loud. I like it intense. I like the mirrors sweating. I like when you can barely hear yourself think. Um, that being said, my go-to every morning, every every uh, every night, every morning when I shower, I put on worship music. When I drive to work, I put on worship music. It, for me, it just kind of gets my mind right about what's, and it ties in perfectly for me with coaching about, you know, the greatest servant leader of all time was Christ. You know, he was hated by many, loved by a few, and uh, his whole mission for 33 years was just to serve others. Yep. No, that's awesome. Have you listened to Ben Fuller? Have you heard heard of him? I, no. He's good. He's right. really good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that down. Yeah, it's F-U-L-L-E-R, Ben Fuller. Right. I just learned about him probably about six months ago, and he's now starting to – I heard about him before he was really big, and now he's starting to get play on um, – because I listen to The Message on Sirius. Yeah. Like that's the channel that I listen to. Um, so he's starting to get some play time there, but I think you'll like – his whole album, it's on Apple Music. So if you have an Apple Music subscription, you can listen to the whole album. I, I just wrote it down. We'll check it out when we hop off here. Appreciate All right, cool. It. All right, last one. This one's a good one. Would you rather have pizza or tacos? <laughs> the, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say pizza, but that's a struggle. Moving out here to San Diego, it's some of the best uh, Mexican food I've ever had. Sure. So, uh, that, that's another mood thing, but I'll, I'll say pizza for now. Do you have favorite toppings? A meatball. Me meatball. Uh, my wife, we just found a place. It was tough, you know, moving from the East Coast to here in uh, San Diego. There's, there's a lot, a lot of things uh, we love about the East Coast, you know, or the West Coast. We haven't found many places yet that have East Coast pizza out here in San Diego. So uh, meatball and uh, there's some other cheese they put on, on top of something else, but it's phenomenal. Okay, good. All right. So you're a pizza guy. Got yeah. it. And I like that question because it is, you usually, you'll get somebody that answers it real quick or it's the battle. It is. Because I had one, one guest said, well, 
I'll do pizza because I can make it a taco pizza. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I was like, well, that's not really the same thing, but whatever, whatever makes you happy. Um, So just so you give you some context to the show is I started Pathways to Greatness because one, I really enjoy hearing other people's stories. I, I like hearing the things that they've been able to overcome and do. And so the goal of this show is to have people like yourself share those stories with others, because ultimately, I just don't want people to quit. I want them to understand that greatness is not linear. Everybody has their own definition of greatness. And so everybody should define that for themselves and know that there's switchbacks, there's stumps, there's rocks, there's things that you're going to have to overcome to accomplish greatness. So that's the whole purpose. Uh, of the show. So before we get into some of the other questions I have written down, how would you define greatness? Embracing failure. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because you you just hit the nail for me, the nail on the head, Jeff, when you said it's, it's not linear. I, I believe for the greatest part of my life, I always thought failure and greatness were opposite ends of the spectrum. And if you want to be great, you have to avoid failure. And I think most of us now uh, realize that it couldn't be farther from the truth. You know, my, my, as I mentioned earlier, my wife and I are best friends. We love spending time together. We've had some tough moments in our relationships. In 29 years, we've had some, some, some drag out, not often, gosh, not, not, not more than two or three, but we've had some fights that, that there's been nothing but tears and heartache and you feel like your chest is going to explode and just drag you to the knees and make you just cry out to God, like what, what is going on? But it's through that, that we are best friends and just celebrated our 29th anniversary um, through coaching. I still say you know, after 26 years now, my greatest season ever was my first year as head coach. We lost every game. Mm. Like we, we got our teeth kicked in every game. And I joke about it now, but at the end of the end of every game, when you walk through and shake hands and you say, Hey, great game, good game, good game. Whether you're winning or losing, you usually hear people say, good game, good game. We were so bad my first year as head coach, no one even lied to us. <laughs> they would look around, they say, beautiful stadium. It was a brand new school. <laughs> beautiful stadium. Well, great field. I was like, man, we're, we're so bad, they're not even going to lie to me, you know? Um, and, and it was, it, I felt like every time I parked my truck on a Saturday morning to go watch some film before the coaches came in, before the players came in, I felt like I was walking the green mile, you know, dead man walking to the execution. And I... I thought other than my wife and my mom and dad, no one, no one in the world liked me or my kids. Um, but it was through that year. The reason I say it was one of my greatest because it solidified my why. Mm. It really made me look at, as you mentioned a little bit off camera before we started recording, that huge leap of faith that you and your wife and family have taken with you, with, you, with your career. Um, it's, it's all fun and exciting and you want to tell the world. But then you go to bed at night and you're like, hey, I haven't made a check in so many weeks or I haven't had a win in so many weeks or, you know, our games were close till kickoff. You know, as soon as the ball was kicked <laughs> off, like, this isn't going to go well. Um, but th- that, that, that has what pro- has propelled me to, to be the coach I am today. And, and I'm proud of the coach I am today, knowing that I'm great and knowing that there's a lot more greatness that I'm going to pull outside of me and, and allow others to pull out of me. Um, so I, I think greatness is embracing failure and understanding that's part of the process to becoming great in any aspect of life, coaching or not. Right. If you had to go back and that first year coach, what three pieces of advice would you give yourself? 
Gosh, great question. I, I think the first is, and I knew this, but I know it now more than ever before. It's all about the people. 100% about it of coaching is about the people. Empowering them to see the greatness that some of them don't see in themselves, to pull greatness out, to humble some. And I'm not talking about tough love, break them down, tear them apart, but getting to know people, getting to know what makes them tick. Um, and, and we can address this later if you want or not. But in my journey of coaching so far, I have completely changed the way I interview coaches now to be on our staff compared to how I'd started. Um, but one, I think you asked for three, was it's all about people. Two is to be yourself because our high schoolers or even middle schoolers or my fourth graders, they're a lot smarter than people give them credit for. And they see through the transparency. I can't try to be a coach Forrester. I can't try to be a coach Belichick. I can't try to be, and no one wants me to be. And no one needs me to be. I'm, I need to be the best dang coach Hines I can be. I should say Kurt Hines because now my son Brockton's on our staff. So he's another coach Hines. Um, but to be ourselves, um, and I think the third thing would be uh, is you don't have to know it all and you shouldn't try to know it all. Um, I think there's a lot of power in my position as a head coach to look at our staff and say, here are my strengths. Help me be better. Here are some things I'm not great at. Who is and how can we help you take a leadership role in that area? Because uh, no one wants to be on a staff and and I tell our coaches this all the time, like challenge me. My job is to serve you as, as assistant coaches. Challenge me often. There's a time and place. You know, I, after, after I call a certain pass in the game, it gets picked off. Don't challenge me there on the field in front of other players. Uh, but, but challenge me. If we're doing something in practice or a game that you think we could be doing differently, don't have that private conversation with a different coach. Come, come to me face to face and let's find out why we don't do it that way or in many options or instances. I might look at you and say, wow, I've never thought about that. Yeah, let's, let's try that. So, yeah, I, I think that list could go on and on and on, but I, I think those would be my top three. And you started, you were talking about interviewing your coaches different. I really would like to hear more about that because I think that's where people need to understand is it starts at the beginning. Yeah. And you got to yeah. get the right people around you. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll preface this, Jeff, by saying, we talk about the power of why all the time. Like talk to my players, like why why are you showing up to practice? Why are you staying up late doing your homework and not saying, coach, you can't come to practice because I have homework? Why are you committing to something? Um, why I want to be a head coach is I want to have the power to be the one to choose who I coach beside. The mistakes I made earlier on when I first became a head coach in New Hampshire was I would post a position that was open. I would meet with coaches for 45 minutes to an hour and talk football. And I learned through a lot of trial and a lot of error, I would hire some good football minds who I won't say were horrible people, but we were not on the same page as far as what leadership looked like and how I wanted the coaches to be on our staff. What I do now is when I interview for a position, I ask a coach to come in, tell them it'll be about 20 minutes long, 20 or 30 minutes, and we don't talk football at all. I, I just, what makes you tick? What are you most proud of in your life? What are you most ashamed of? What are some struggles you've been through? What are you excited about going on in your life right now? And I've been amazed over the years, the walls I've seen torn down of people I'm meeting for the first time, people sharing things. And I'm talking about struggling with alcohol and drug addiction to uh, relationship problems, to abuse they felt or experienced as a child. Um, 
and then I've met some coaches in that first, you know, 20 or 30 minute interview who have their chest out proud and they're impenetrable and they have no weaknesses. They I'm proud of it. You know, and there's this, just this arrogance that, that comes off. Um, but what happens and I'll make this quick is that first 20 or 30 minutes, I just try to listen and I try to be present and I just try to learn from them. And if I get a good sense of humility and excitement and passion for life, I'll say, Hey, listen, can you come back into the weight room? whatever the next weight room session is next Wednesday, next Thursday, whatever it is. And they'll say, well, yeah, what, what do you want me to do? And I'll say, J just show up, just show up and you can work out with the guys. If you want, you can watch them, you can talk to them. And the reason I do that, Jeff, is because I found over the years that everyone has the right interview answers. Everyone always says, I want to make a difference. I want to give back. I, I want to pay it forward. And that sounds great until the proverbial crap hits the fan and a player talks back or a player shows up late or, we lose a game or a second game or a third game or whatever it is. And you see true colors come out and those, I want to get back. I want to make a difference. Answers don't hold anymore. And you see a complete different person. What I notice is if I get a good feel for someone in this office, in our coach's office, usually what I look for or what I look for and what I usually see is I see them go into the weight room and they're talking to the real heavy kid. They're talking to the real skinny kid that's skinnier than the 45 pound bar. They're talking to the kid that can barely clean 40 pounds. And then there have been times who I interview someone, I'm not really sure how I feel about them. They come into the weight room and they go right to the corner where the studs are and they walk right past that heavy kid. They walk right past that real skinny kid. And I think, no, that, I don't need someone on our staff like that. I need someone that's willing to pour into every single human being in our program. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, I have a young man and he may or may not listen to this on our staff now. I'll give him a shout out, Romeo, Romeo Torres. Uh, he's coming to year two for us. Um, hated high school football, was bullied by his teammates, was bullied by his coaches, uh, sent out a bunch of messages to uh, emails and Twitters to coach, uh, private messages. He told me I was the only one that responded to him. I sat down with him and he just seemed to have a light about him, just something about him I really loved. Very, very green when it comes to coaching, very raw. I liked his energy enough to have him come into the weight room. He came in and I saw him and I don't tell the coaches I'm looking for this. I don't say, Hey, I'm looking to see if you go talk to those kids because then of course they, they will. And he navigated the first person he went to was, I won't mention this young man's name, but a pretty heavy kid we have in our, in our, in our program who I love, but he's not a starter by any stretch of the imagination yet. And then I saw him kind of go towards that real skinny kid that couldn't. And I thought there's, there's tremendous potential here. Mm -hmm. And he's proven to be more than what I could have ever imagined. He shows up to everything on time or early. He has a tremendous heart, especially for, you know, I, I think all of us, you know, experience different things in life. And if we are abused and bullied and neglected, sometimes we become those abusers, bullies, and people who neglect others. And then there's the beautiful part of that, where sometimes people that go through that hell become just the opposite and look to be the encourager and the one that fills people's cups and all that stuff. And that's what Romeo is. And, he, and he's becoming a better technician of the sport because he's so hungry to learn. But he, we're going on year two now. It was almost twice a week, coach, um, that he would come up to me randomly after a practice and just say, coach, can I, can I talk to you for a second? I'm like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, I just, and he's just smiling from ear to ear, literally. Like it looks it's painful to watch him smile because it's like, don't your cheeks hurt, you know? And he's like, thank you so much. This is just different than anything I ever experienced. And now, now I, I think he has the bug where I don't think he'll, he'll ever want to give up coaching. 
And if he doesn't stay here and he goes somewhere else, yes, it'll be sad for us to lose him, but I, I won't be happy. I couldn't be happier for another program if he does go somewhere else because he'll take that same mission and go spread that positivity and joy there because yes, we have to win games to keep our jobs. Yes, we need to, in fairness, I hate that word, but for lack of better words, in fairness for our young men and young women we coach, we need to know our skill. We need to know our trade. We need to know to help, how to help them to use their hands and take the first step and why they're taking this angle and all these different things are the intricacies of the game. But if the only thing we're doing is helping them become better football players, we're failing them miserably. So if we can combine our knowledge of the sport for our love for people, then I don't think we'll ever have a losing season with what really matters. Well, and I hope people really heard what you said and not just the words that it's that if you can combine your love of people with whatever you're doing, if it's football, if it's being an accountant, if it's being, you know, washing cars, whatever it is, that if you have that genuine servant leadership and that servanthood that we're commanded to do, by the way, we're commanded to be that good neighbor, that good things will happen. That's joy over happiness. Yeah. You know, happiness is, you know, getting a new iPhone or getting a new shirt or something like that's great. That's happy. That's not joy. What you just described with coach Torres, I'll give him the respect yep, that he's please. earned Yeah, is that that smile, that's joy. Like you can't, nothing can take that from him. And there's nothing better that when you share your joy with someone else and you were able to do that with him because you saw what was inside him. And then he returned the favor by showing you the joy that you've given him by giving him that opportunity to then pay it back to, to someone else. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I used to, and this is, this isn't a humble brag. I made more mistakes in my life than I can remember in all areas of my life. But I think if we really are passionate about life itself, we learn from those mistakes and that's what helps us to become great. Um, I look back at my first few years coaching, you know, aside from the mistakes I made on the field, practice field and game field with the X's nose, I used to think that I really need to mentor every single player that enters into our program. And then I matured a little bit. I was like, Oh, wait a minute. I need to mentor the young coaches too. And now I've matured even more. I'm like, wait a minute. I have some gentlemen on our staff. Our, our staff, our coaching staff ranges from 22 years old to 77. And I have a gentleman on our staff, Coach Pompa, who uh, I don't even think he knows what a podcast is. He will not be listening <laughs> to this. But he is, it's, it's one of those coaches that has forgotten more football than I've ever known. And I mean that in the best of compliments. Um, he, he's, he's just a legend. The guy's phenomenal. Um, he, he's been around the game long enough and he loves people. But I also have coaches on our staff who have coached for 10, 13 years, who coached under complete jack wagons, who didn't care who you were, didn't care if you're not a starter, you can't benefit me and aren't going to give you the time of day. They wouldn't know names of players that weren't starters. So I realize now that if we are in a leadership position, coaching, business, whatever it is, we need to pour into every single person that we're blessed to come across, whether they are a player, a coach, a new coach, a veteran coach, whatever it is, because Sometimes people are, are in a profession of coaching for 10 plus years, but they've learned all the wrong things from all the wrong people. So they need to keep on learning how to do things the right way. And, and I share with them often, I know my strengths. I know what I'm really good at, but I never have and never will know all the answers. 
So I also right. know that I need coaching as well. And I need to be humble enough to say, hey, listen, you know, yes, I have the title of head coach, but that all that means is I have a greater responsibility to serve. That's it. Right. You talked a lot about like, it sounds like, you know, you definitely know who you are and you know who your team is. Um, what would you say in, if you have three or five words that describe the values of your team? So if you had individual words that were the values that you put on your team, what would those be? Great question. Uh, relentless. You know, that, that, that's a word I love because we, we here at Coronado are not we're almost always undersized. You know, we, we, we get off the bus or if we're hosting a team, I see some cats get off the bus. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> and I'm an optimist to the core, but sometimes I'll look at the other guys warming up. I'm like, Oh God, this is going to be a long night. And we end up, we end up winning. I um, mean, yeah. we, lo we lose more than our fair share. So that, let me put that out there as well. But uh, we're relentless. We, 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 we are tough sons of guns. You know, we have three young women on the team. So I keep on saying young men and young women. Um, but we, uh, we embrace the fact that, you know, my wife and I live on the other side of the bridge. Coronado Island in San Diego is really made up of extremely wealthy people and North Island, which is the naval base. And with the naval base, you have some people, mom and dad, both serve or maybe one serves and they're barely scraping by and they're, they've moved 10 times in 11 years type thing. We have some young men and young women that come into our program who they have more cars in the house than they have drivers. They have million dollar homes and vacation homes and they're spoiled. I love them, but they need to learn what hard work is and what commitment is and why you show up. And then we have some young men and young women whose parents have earned a lot of money who have raised them, in my opinion, the right way, who know mm -hmm. the value of a dollar and work hard. So we have every walk of life. But the fact is when people drive over that bridge to come play us, they don't think that they don't care where I live. They, they think I live here too. And they think we're just a bunch of white rich kids. Or, or coaches, and we have to train, change that narrative. And I always tell our players, I, I, win or lose, we're, we're going we're gonna to play in such a way, a relentless way that we play to the echo of the whistle, that whether we win or lose, they're going to respect us and say, hey, listen, whatever we thought of them prior to playing them, there's a whole different level of respect. That's our goal. I'm not saying it always happens. I would say relentless. I would say family. Um, I would say uh, character. And, and, and one I'm working more and more on daily is just love. You know, t I had a meeting just uh, prior to us hopping on with uh, three of our quarterbacks. And I said, let's come up with a, a list of 10 qualities I'm looking for in a quarterback. And not one of them talked about it. And I even talked to, I didn't even, I, I, let, I wanted this to sit on, on, on their hearts for a while. I said, go home, look over the list. Let's talk about it again on Wednesday. And we didn't mention not the deep ball, not the short pass, not a tight spiral. None of that was on the list at all. But it was talking about being the toughest worker on the field, being mm. humble, being a servant leader, being uh, an encourager, mm. and all these qualities that we want in leadership. Um, but I, I, one of the words I, I asked them to write down was bold. And after I shared a word with them, I said, what's that mean to you? And that one kind of made them pause for a second. And I said, it's looking at your best friend and saying, hey, listen, we just won this big game. I know you're going to go to this party where it's going to be drinking and drugs or whatever it is. Hey, be bold enough as a quarterback to say to that friend, hey, come to, come to my house. I'll have my parents order some pizzas. We'll just watch the highlights, you know, and whatever. Being bold enough, we have no swearing policy on our team. Being bold enough to, it's easy for me to say as a coach, and I share this with our quarterbacks, it's easy for me to say, hey, listen, we have no swearing policy. Do your 25 push-ups. You know, coaches can't swear or players. As a player, it's a lot harder. It takes, it takes a lot of boldness in a, in a locker room when no coaches are present 
and you hear a teammate to swear to stop and say, hey, so-and-so, do your push-ups. But, but I, I think that's what's going to help us to be great is to, and I tell them all the time, we, I want our coaches to eliminate the word but from our vocabulary. Preach. <laughs> and, and as, as a parent, I'm guilty of this. Yes. And, I, and I learned, not, I don't think anything's ever too late, but I used to years ago, Jeff, say to my kids, you know, I love you, but you just keep messing up in school. You're grounded. I love you, but you did this. And that negates everything that I said prior to the word, but. So now I, I will say the same thing and just change the word, but, and say, I love you. And because I love you, I'm going to hold you accountable for this because I love you. And I remind our coaches often, our players don't need best friends. They need mentors that are going to love them enough to hold them accountable, to lead by example, and, and to love them in a way that, whether they become champions on the field or not, they can become champions in life. I'm just, I'm without words. <laughs> it's everything that, that hits me to the core. And so many things that, that you shared were things that I was going to add if you hadn't, or at least ask, because like you started to say is play to the point where the other person's going to respect you regardless of the score. Cause that's the process. Yeah. And I feel like society and especially in, in sports, whether it's team sports or individual, everybody's so focused on the outcome. What was the outcome? Well, you can get lucky and win a game. You can cheat and win a game. But can you have character and work hard and be proud of the performance that you gave if you gave 100%? Coach Wooden, I don't know if you've ever read one of his books. It was Wooden on Leadership. And he talked about all the different teams that he had. And his number one team that he was most proud of was his worst record team because he's like, they were not as talented as all the other teams that he had, but he knew they all played the plays to perfection and they all gave a hundred percent of their ability. And he's like, that's all anybody can ask of one another and society. And that's why I hope people heard what you said again, is that we can't just keep tying everything to outcome. Because society is all about outcome. Social media is all about outcome. Yeah, and I think so often. I, I had a, a speaking engagement several years back in LA. Um, and a gentleman came up to me after a breakout session. And he said, Coach, you know, what, what do you do to build team culture? And I wasn't ready for the question. I shouldn't say I wasn't ready, but I wasn't expecting the question. But I asked him, I, I said, are you married? I didn't look down yet, see if he had a ring on. He goes, I am. I said, what, what do you do to make your marriage special? And he kind of looked at me. I said, you just spend time together, right? I said, if you want to have a successful marriage, it, it doesn't, how, how many divorces are on the heels of trips to Paris and trips to here and multi-million dollar homes, all that? I said, the, the secret, and I don't think there is such a thing, is, is relationships, getting to know people. I said, so for me, building cultures, get to know your players. The reason the culture of my marriage is so strong is not because we go on these extravagant trips and have all this money, because we don't. It's because we spend time together. And, and to your point also, as far as the, the society being so result-driven, let's take a step back and apply that to our marriages. If we are so result-driven, what's the end result of a marriage? It sounds like, like wait a minute, we, we, there is no winner at the end. It's just the process. Can you and your wife say, hey, we went into this together, both broken, both messed up, both flawed, but with the intention of building each other up, and we were able to have a child. And that child's two years old now, three years old, now 21, whatever it is. And it's a process of saying, hey, where we are in our lives as a marriage or as a program or whatever it is, can we look back and say, man, we've grown, we've gotten better. And that's not always going to reflect in the scoreboard. 
hundred percent. And even you know, when you were saying that, and I, I really appreciate the, the, the marriage analogy because it is one of those things that there, there, there isn't technically an end. It's not a, yeah. you know, a, it's the only end is if you let it unravel and fall apart. I mean, that's kind of the, the end, but then if you don't fix the process, the next one's probably going to be kind of the same situation as well. Exactly. Um, so you talked also about how you constantly are trying to get better and that, you know, one of your strengths is, you know, that you don't know everything. And so what are some of the things that you do to surround yourself with the right people that will continue to elevate yourself and your abilities? Yeah. Um, part of it for me goes back to hiring people that I know have strengths in areas that I don't. Um, and then empowering them to, to, and I touched a little bit on this, but, but uh, to not be a yes man. You know, I said, no one wants to be surrounded. I, I don't think you know, we don't want to be surrounded by people that just say yes all the time and so we'll agree with everything we say because then none of us are getting better. You know, I, I want to be with people that, that challenge me. I think a lot of it is things like this, just connecting with other human beings that have like-minded, you know, and, and it's, it's powerful when you connect with people that don't see the same religious or political or whatever view, if we can have an open mind to learn from them. But when you have someone like yourself that's passionate about leadership, passionate about coaching, passionate about helping others, and just conversations like this, there's going to be something if, if I, if I can't come away from this podcast, Jeff, and say, Oh, wow, Jeff said something and kind of write that down or hold on to that, make that help that make me better. I need to get out of coaching, you know, and we, we had, we had the opportunity last week on a Wednesday, one of my former players came back um, and he's, he's in the Navy now and asked if he could talk to the team or actually I asked him if he would talk to the team and he's like, ah, I wasn't a starter coach and he wasn't, he was not a good player at all but he was an amazing teammate. He showed up to everything and he worked hard. And I said, Dino, if you just come and just talk about life, talk about what take, take five, 10 minutes to share something. And he was phenomenal. The day after we had two NFL players that were happening to use our field. Um, one is uh, AQ Shipley, I believe his name is. He's on the uh, Pat McAfee show. Um, he introduced himself to me and he's training uh, th this guy that's currently going through his fourth year in the NFL, two massive men, he's huge. Um, so I asked them if they would address our team. And, and talk to us. And the reason I share those two stories about the, the former player and those two guys in the NFL, I tell our team all the time, so I don't care who we are, and I include myself in that. I said, if we're, if we're too full of ourselves and we can't learn something from every human being that crosses our path, then we're missing what life's all about. And I think sometimes those lessons are, hey, I'm not going to do it that way. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm observing someone in a leadership position. I don't like how they're talking to people, but I'm still learning from them. Um, I think one of the, way, the ways I keep growing myself is just connecting with people, learning from people, and then asking for honest feedback. I, uh, one of my assistant coaches, Coach Davis, he applied for this position to be head coach here. He's been on staff over 22 years here at Coronado High School. Retired FBI agent, didn't get the job. When I got the job, one of my good friends said, hey, be careful of, of this guy, and that there were two of them that applied for the position that didn't get it because they might be staying on staff just to undermine what you're doing. Long story short, could have been the case. It was the farthest from the truth, thank God. Coach Davis went from being my defensive coordinator to still being our defensive coordinator, but I asked him to be my assistant head coach. He is just salt of the earth, amazing man, great example of selfless servant leadership. Um, I often, I, I, I ask him almost two or three times a year now, 
and I'll, and I'll preface it by saying, coach, I'm not looking for a compliment, but what's something I'm doing that you think I could be doing better? Or what's something I'm not doing that you think I should be doing? And he had, he had a, a, an answer that kind of paused uh, or made me pause uh, last year. We were in the weight room and it was just on my heart. So everyone had left. I said, coach, you know, I'm not saying thing, not looking for a compliment, but do me a favor. Can you, can you let me know in the next week or so if you have to sleep on it, but what's something that you'd like me to change as the head coach? And uh, he paused and he goes, I'm only going only gonna to answer that if you come to me with something. Oh, and, and it, it solidified even more that this is, this is the right guy to coach with because he was looking for a sincere, like, hey, I want some feedback. Um, so I think we need to have people in our, in our corner, so to speak, that will love us enough to be honest with us. Because I, 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 you, any of us as head coaches, we could hire a bunch of sheep. We could hire a bunch of people that are good, but not as good as us. So we look really good or are strong, but not as strong as us, or, you know, and, and that, that, that's all about ego. You know, if we push our ego aside and say, listen, I want to be as great as I can for the players I'm blessed to coach and those I'm blessed to coach with, I want to surround myself with people that are going to challenge me. They're going to make me grow. They're going to force me to spend a little bit more time in the playbook, spend a little bit more time breaking down film, spend a little bit more time reaching out to our players unrelated to football and just talking to them about life. So I, I think surrounding yourself with people who will help push you as well is, is huge. Yeah. And, and again, I want people to hear what you had to say, because if you hear that and your stomach turns a little bit, you need to ask yourself why. And it's probably because you're not, you're not secure in receiving because it's probably from past trauma, past issues where somebody gave you feedback and they weren't doing it in a loving way. It was more of a teardown way or it just could be something else because when you find somebody like yourself, that's going to pour into you in a way that's going to make you better. You can't ask for anything better than that. And yeah. our parents do it and, and we get it wrong a lot, you know, and we come from a different angle than we probably should, but it's not from a judgmental way. It's a corrective way. And that what it's what I hope people heard you say is that when you put people around you, make sure that they're there to make you better and not just to be the same. And if you find yourself being the best in the room or the smartest in the room, I always say find another room yeah. because that's not the room that's going to get you better and where you want to be. Yes. And, and I'll, not that I need to add that, but just to continue the conversation there. I love that. It's a dangerous thing because you have to be humble enough to realize that if you really want people and if you're going to empower your assistant coaches or the other people that may not be assistant coaches, maybe you're an assistant with them or whatever it is, be humble enough to listen to them because sometimes they're going to say things that are not comfortable. Sometimes they're going to, they're going to challenge you and it's going to really make you dig deeper, but that's what it's all about. Um, I had my, my first year as head coach, after we had mentioned we lost every single game, I had a coaches meeting and now I had inherited four coaches because a brand new high school. It was the first year with the varsity program. We didn't have seniors yet, but we lost every, every game, as I mentioned. And I had a coaches meeting and I said, after we talked about the offense and the defense, I said, all right, guys, obviously we know what our record was this year. I think we're 0-9. I said, I'm not going to change just for the sake of it, but what would you like to see me do differently as a head coach? Now it was a bold, kind of a stupid, but bold thing for me to ask. because I didn't know these guys that well yet. I only coached with them for a season. Uh, one of the other guys I had taught with for years, so I knew him well. Well, I asked that question, and it was quiet, Jeff, for about 40 seconds, which seemed like 40 minutes. 
And then one of the coaches on our staff, he goes, I don't think kids respect you. And I felt myself right away start to get hot. I felt myself just like get red. So I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, idiot, me. I'm like, you asked the question. You got to. <laughs> so I said to him, I said, well, give me an example. And let me, let me go back for a second. This coach is now one of my best friends who I would die for. He, uh, they actually moved from New Hampshire out here to California, not because we moved here, but his wife is from the Oceanside area, just an hour north of us. Um, but the first year coaching, we, he and I were like this just butting heads a lot. And I said, well, give me an example. He said, I don't know. I said, do they talk back to me? He's like, no, they never talk back to you. I said, do they talk behind my back? Are you hearing things like, no, no, they all love you. And, and I looked at him and he goes, I said, give me something. He said, he goes, I said, do they leave the weight room a mess, the locker room a mess, the field? Or, you know, No, no, no. And he paused and he said, they're not afraid of you. And I felt the spirit just come over me. And mm -hmm. I said, those are two completely different things. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I say this with a great smile now because he is one of my best friends now. But he goes, well, it doesn't matter, Heinz. He goes, I, I don't think, I think players should be afraid of their head coach. And I said, I'll go to my grave disagreeing with that. And I said, because if a player is suicidal, parents are getting a divorce, if a young man or young woman's coming out of the closet, whatever it is, whatever it is that life's going to throw at all of us, if they're afraid of me, they're never going to come to me. Correct. And I would rather have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with someone than speak at their funeral. And, I, and I've had to speak, I was, it was a blessing to be asked to, but I had to speak at a young man's funeral that took his life years ago. Um, and, and, and he didn't agree. And, and we, we parted ways at the end of that meeting. He stayed on staff. Uh, and it, because we were willing to have that tough conversation and to respectfully disagree, we continued to coach together. And I, he made me better because he is such a technician of the game and knows it so well, far better than I did at that time. It made me be like, all right, listen, I, I got to step my game up. I got to learn a lot more about this position and that position. And it has it evolved into a friendship and a, and a working relationship where he and his wife have told me countless times now, it made him look at football completely differently. Mm. It is a family that you get a lot more success out of your players. And this is not my goal, but we get more success on the field by pouring more into their hearts, by building more relationships. And he also, I saw him going from, being that coach would that would know the starters' names, to now knowing everyone's names, to just I I, I could go on and on and on about it, but be sure. willing to have those tough conversations and realize that they're not always comfortable. Sometimes they're very painful conversations. Right. Well, and you said an open conversation where you can respectfully disagree, and yeah. our society is not there right now. It's if you disagree, you're the devil. You're yep. evil. You're the you know, it's point counterpoint when the disagreements create opportunities for both people to, to find out why did they say what they say or why do they believe what they believe? It's critical thinking. You yeah. know, you had, you were challenged to think, okay, well, they don't respect me. Let's dig into that and figure out why. And then you push back. And he asked him, well, what is it? And he couldn't answer. So he wasn't clearly communicating to you what he meant to say. So you, like you said, you both evolved. And to me is what I hope I, that other people hear is whether you agree with Coach Hines's definition of greatness or one of the other uh, guest definition of greatness, what's yours? And can you defend it? Can you stand yes. up for what you believe in? And that's what so many people don't, because when you challenge them 
with why, and you can even try to ask them five whys, they're going to be so frustrated that they're done. They just yeah. check out because they, they just don't know that's what somebody else has told them to be. And that, from my faith, I grew up always believing because that's what I was told and how I was raised. And so as I've gotten older, you know, I see validity in a lot of the things of how I was raised, but then there's other things I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I agree with that. And I dig in and say, okay, well, if I don't disagree, then what is my position either for or against that? And that's what I want people to hear and to what, whether it's your faith, whether it's politics, whether it's nutrition, are you keto, are you paleo, are you low carb? What are you? Why? Like, what is it? What's your basis behind that? Don't just take someone else's word for it. Amen. And, and be willing to, to, I, I think more of us, myself included, need to do a better job at being open and learning from others. At the same time, stand by your convictions. Once you've heard someone and you've listened with an open heart and an open mind, be able to look at them and say, I appreciate that. I respect that. I still feel this way. I, st I still, this, my, as you mentioned, my, my faith to me means everything. I can't prove God's existence to a single person. Never have been, never been able to. I've shared my testimony many, many times. I've been blessed to be able to lead some people to Christ, but I can't prove God's existence. But I know my core. I know to my soul who he is and who I am because of him mm. and, and through him and all that. So I, and I think in the coaching world, the same thing applies where, you know, what's the best offense? The one that the coaching staff believes in. And if yeah. we believe it into a core, our young men and young women are going to believe in it. You know, I, I, one of our quarterbacks, they had transferred from a different school to our school. His parents moved to the island and he was saying how his old school, they, they called their receivers differently than, than what we do. They named them differently. And I said to him, I said, I said, well, who's the smarter coach? And I thought he was going to have what I think is the right answer. And he goes, you are. And I said, no, I said, no, I said, and I won't say his name now. That it was a bad thing, but I said, no, I, I said, the point is there's Tons of different names for different offenses, different schemes, different routes. It's no one's better than the other. It's just going to believe in what we're doing and, and run with that. And you could kind of see with him, and here's a young man that needs a little bit more humility, but say to him, no, I don't think I'm better than other coaches, but I know who I am and I believe in what we do. Yeah, and he'll never forget that. Whether right. he ever completely absorbs it, those are the things that I think that it sounds like you believe in it as well, that makes coaching and mentoring so powerful is that they'll remember that forever. Yep. Just that one, that one little exchange. Exactly. Okay. So I know we, I could talk to you for hours and I want to be respectful of your time because I know that you're busy, but you've made a couple of posts recently that I want to, I want to hear more about it because again, the algorithms, a lot of times you're, our posts get lost. Mm -hmm. And if you're not on at the right time, you won't see it. So one of the things that you talked about, which I'm a huge believer in because words matter, is you talked about don't be last. Yes. And I would really enjoy you sharing your perspective on what that means with the audience. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. That That's something that I, I remember. There's power in our words. As we talked about, you know, after you say something to a child or a player or a loved one, your spouse, and you know, you say, but it kind of negates everything as far back as I can remember as a player and as a young coach, I would hear people say, you know, just screaming coaches screaming, don't be last. Don't be last. Don't be last. I'm 260 pounds. 
if I'm on the field right now with our players, our high school kids, and I'm not going to mention their names, and we sprint 110 yards, I know I won't be last. But that's not really that impressive because we have some young men that are freshmen. We have some young men that are 300 pounds. Not many. We have, we have a small handful. Um, if my goal is to not be last, I'm just chasing mediocrity. Mm-hmm. I ask our coaches all the time, let's get rid of that also. Let's just... I'd rather have you scream, be first, be first, be first, because there it changes my mind. Instead of trying to look for the slowest guy and be a little bit faster than him, it kind of goes back to the joke for me. is like if you're being chased by the bear, you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than the, the slowest camper, so to speak. Um, it's, I, I don't want our kids chasing mediocrity. I want them chasing greatness. And if I'm going from one drill to the next and my goal is to be first, I may not always be first, but, man, I'm going to be second, third, or fourth. Or let's say I am second to last. If my goal is to be first, I'm giving a little bit extra kick. I'm giving a little extra push. Um, it happened just this morning. We were doing our what I call Ireland, our, our Islander red zone condition. We're the Coronado Islanders. Um, it's a change of direction drill. And I noticed one player kind of underachieving. You know? So I had said to him, I said, so-and-so, I said, I want you to win this one. I want you to win this one. And he could have a coach on the line where they cross through, always calling out the winners, who, who the winner is. And this young man hadn't won a single one. As soon as I said, hey, so-and-so, I want you to win this one. You see the other kids kind of gear down a little bit faster. They're going to make sure he doesn't win. He won that one by about a yard or two. So much so that it shocked me. And I was like, hey, so-and-so, come stand over by, you know, this kid here because he's, he's one of the fastest on the team. He beat him for two or three. So I, I loved it. And you can see him in, inside just like dying, working harder than he had all morning. So after practice, I pulled him aside into the coach's office. I said, hey, do you have two minutes? So I sat down with him. I said, I knew you were fast. I didn't know you were that fast. He goes, thank you, coach. I said, well, this, this is kind of a compliment. And it's kind of a challenge. <laughs> I said, everyone says they want to be great. I said, do you want to be great? He said, yeah. I said, what are you willing to do? Because if you always put yourself in the far side of the field and hang with your buddies, you're going to beat them all the time. But when I said be first, you were the, the fastest one on the field for a few plays, for a few, a few of the, the routes. Um, so yeah, I just I, I think our words have power. I know our words have power. And instead of saying don't be last, change the narrative, say don't, you know, or be first, it's focusing on what our goal is. Be first. And I think also now that you say it, I think in the video I mentioned you wouldn't start out a season saying to your team, our goal is to not be last. You know, I think you'd be fired in a heartbeat, or at least I think you should be. You know, e- even when I was my first year as head coach, we had no seniors yet. Before our first game, I thought, man, we're going to win a lot of games. I was dead wrong. <laughs> I was yeah. dead wrong. But my goal is to win every single game. And we didn't, but because the effort was there and I was focused on the process, not the outcome, we went from losing every game that first year to having 30, I think it was the following year, 30 more kids come out for the program. Now, part of it was because we had a senior class, but part of it was the young men and young women were buying what we were building. They were, they were buying into what we were selling. And they want to be part of something. It wasn't because we had won so many games that we had more kids come out. But we were building something that was chasing greatness as opposed to settling for mediocrity. Well, it goes back to several things that you said a minute ago. Is be bold. Like you're not trying to be that young man's friend. You're, you're trying to get the most out of him because he doesn't have it. Young people, most young people don't have that you know, that thing that gets yeah. them over the, the hunch. It's just, they don't have the frontal lobe development to kind of push through that. Yeah. And so they need somebody to kind of pull them or push them along the way. And so you're, you're being bold and I'm reading your mind of thinking that 
how great would it have been as his other players, his teammates to have challenged him to, yeah. to do that. Then you would have been like a super proud Papa at that 100%, moment. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. It, it, it's true. Also, I, I will often, we talk about the power of why with our program, I'll start somewhere in the first week of practice and there'll be a box of donuts on the table from our coaches meeting prior to that. And I'll say to the team, I'm like, if one of you come up and try to steal a donut in there, that's mine. What do you think I'll do? And you can see the eyes, kids' eyes get big. They're like, oh, you know, you know. and I'm like, well, and I'll ask them, like, raise your hand. Like, uh, you, you would throw us into the floor or the wall or whatever. I'm like, so I'll get a few responses. Guys, I wouldn't do a darn thing. It's a donut. I said, <laughs> what, what would you think I would do if someone tried to steal my truck? And they're like, oh, I said, well, really, what do you think I would do? You, 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 you would beat them up. I said, no, guys, it's a truck. I said, I would try to stop you. I said, that cost me a lot of money. I'd try to stop you. I said, but I really wouldn't do that much because they're, 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 they're physical items, tangible items. I said, now, if one of you tried to hurt my grandchildren, that's a different story. I, I would be, as much as I love you guys, I would do something different. And it's not, it's not a tough guy you know, monologue. It's not, hey, look at me. But it's, what are you willing to fight for and why? Mm-hmm. I like donuts more than I should. I'm not willing <laughs> to fight for them. Love my truck. Yeah. I'm not going to fight for it. If some stranger tried to steal from me, I'm not going to risk my life trying to stop someone from stealing my truck. You know, it'd be unfortunate. I wouldn't be happy about it, but it's a truck. I'd be willing to put my life on the line for, and I tell them, for my wife, for my children, for my grandkids. And I look at my teammates, or not my teammates, our players, and say, and I would do the same for you. If, if some stranger came onto our field and had a gunpoint, I would not just say, ah, it's a player. You know, I, I would give my life. So what are you willing to die for? And then be bold enough to live for that. Because mm-hmm. we often say, oh, I'd die for that. Well, all right, if you would, will you live for that? Will you be that one that shows up to practice on time every time? Will you be the one that says, they're saying, I have a lot of homework, coach. Saying, all right, well, you know, after practice, I'm not going to go scroll on my phone. I'm going to do my homework then. So getting, getting them to understand the, the, the value of commitment, the value of really putting our actions where our words are and not just saying, I want to be great, but doing what it takes to be great. Right, which is the hard part. It's mm-hmm. the doing for all of us wanting yeah. to be great is easy, yep. exactly. <laughs> you know, designing what great looks like, but then when it comes down to it of not being last, like you said, of not settling for mediocrity, I mean, cause we're, we're just physiologically designed for the status quo. We want to be in that status of, you know, not pain and just comfort. And so yep. you've got to push yourself and raise the baseline of what is discomfort and what is comfort when you push on the field you're raising that baseline to the point of well that's not so hard because we just did all that for the last eight weeks yes and, and i remember i'm not proud of this at all i remember doing it myself in high school and college when we were sprinting i'd be running i'm using air quotes if, if your audience i'm not sure i didn't even ask you if, you if you show video of this also if it's just audio but it's just audio okay i'm, well, I'm using air quotes now i remember pushing myself as hard as i could i'm using air quotes but I'd be looking around left or right, making sure I'm faster than some other skill players in the position I was competing at or lineman when I was playing line. I hate that as a coach now. I'm like, guys, I don't need you looking left or right because then you're focusing on the guy you're competing with. You, you just keep your eyes forward, run as fast as you can and let the chips fall where they may. But don't worry about if you're faster than the guy to the left or the right of you. You give everything you've got and we'll decide you know, who the winner is. That's right. You're by yourself and there's a bear chasing you. There's yeah, nobody else exactly. to take his attention. Okay. One more. And I know, I promise I'm looking at the clock. So I thank you. Um, you know, one of the other things that you had said is wish I was there and, and you had talked about that. And so um, I don't know if you remember that post 
is you're talking about that. I wish I was there. It's almost like the comparison game that. Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't, again, if you don't remember it, that's okay. I just, I was scrolling through and again, that's why I encourage people to follow you because you put out great messages that are easy to digest. I, I appreciate it. To be honest with you on this one here, I don't remember the exact content, but for me, it does remind me of something I, I try to preach and practice all the time with, with my family, with my team is being where your feet are. I, I think all too often in life, sports as young men and young women or I think I'm older than you, but people are, I'll, I'll put you in the same category, people our age, um, where we, I, I wish I was there and, and people wish their kids were out of diapers. Can't wait till they're out of diapers. And then before they know it, they're in kindergarten, they're like, oh, wait a minute, this is kind of nice, I have a few hours. Fast forward, you're at graduation and your son or daughter is graduating. And you're like, man, wait a minute. I, I wish I was present more. So I think there's so much beauty and power in being where our feet are. The, um, the changes of life are going to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. um, the I think so many middle school student athletes can't wait till they're in high school. They get in high school, the excitement's there. They realize, oh, wait a minute. Everyone's a little bit bigger. Everyone's a little bit faster. Everyone's a little bit tougher. Can't wait till I get to college. And they, they just wish their lives away. I, I think if we can understand that God, as cliche as it sounds, I don't know if I'll be at Wednesday's practice. Now, I have nothing else lined up. It's first on my calendar on my phone. But I don't know what's going to happen when I'm driving home today. So I, I need to be the best dang coach I can be today because tomorrow may never come. As cliche as it sounds. So I, I think that that may have been the gist of, of, the, of the video. But just there's so much beauty and power of being where our feet are and, and not letting life pass us by wishing we were somewhere else. Right. For sure. But again, I keep saying I promise that I'll stop. So I'm going <laughs> to stop. <laughs> so I just want to say thank you again. I just I took tons of notes. And then just more importantly, I'm full. I'm excited. Um, you know, it, it you didn't disappoint me. And so I, I would love for you to share how people can find you, follow you and support you. Yeah, well, it just I, I appreciate you, Jeff. Um, and actually, I'm, I'm going to you didn't ask for this. But what is the name of your book? It's Unleashed Potential. Love it. So your listeners that haven't bought it yet need to buy that Unleashed Potential by Jeff Forrester. Uh, for, for me, it's Coach Kurt Hines on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I think it's just Kurt Hines. Uh, but Coach Kurt Hines, I have a podcast, uh, not a podcast. I have a website, Coach Kurt Hines, um, a buddy of mine, and I do do a podcast, but we are extremely inconsistent with that. Uh, it's called uh, For What It's Worth Coaching Podcast. Um, but what one thing I, I, I do really enjoy, and it's things like this, Jeff, so I appreciate your time, is just connecting with people. So anyone that does follow me, just send me a DM and I'll make sure to you know, message back and, and just stay connected because for, for, for me, that's what life is all about, just connecting with blessing and serving and learning from other people. Yeah, well, Coach, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate it. Hang on one second after I hit stop. And um, again, thank you for spending time. And there's no question that everybody that listens to this will get something of value. I appreciate you.